All right, live from Lower BCC, this is Red Sea Radio, episode 26. We're back again uh, on WVF 88.5 FM. I'm your host, Kyle Majors, along with Jack Sarasulo. Today, we have a very special guest joining us for the second time on Red Sea Radio, Fairfield men's basketball head coach Jay Young following his second season as the Stags head coach. First of all, Jay, thank you for coming back on. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, coming back on the show. Thank you guys for having me. appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And before we get into it, um, we just want to say on behalf of Jack and I, Fairfield fans, thank you for um, another season, especially during a tough year, uh, giving us something to look forward to, some memories, especially the MAC tournament run. I know Jack and I talk about uh, on this show, that being some of our favorite memories here as Fairfield students watching those games. So just thank you for that run, for the memories of you know this whole past season as well. Well, I appreciate you saying that, but the, the you know the thanks goes to the players who uh, you know overcame a lot this year with with all the stuff that was going on and was able to kind of uh, you know have a great run in that in that MAC tournament. So they, they I appreciate you saying that, but those are the guys who really deserve the uh, praise and the thanks. All right, so let's get into the questions. Uh, we got regular season questions first. Uh, so obviously the team got off to a bit of a slow start this year. Uh, they dropped multiple winnable games, Hartford, Stony Brook, FDU. Um, why do you think that the team struggled to finish games early on in the season? Yeah, I know. I think it was just a combination of a lot of things. Um, you know, I've said this before. We, we uh, came back to school and, um, you know, had no summer, had a lot of new guys really on our roster. You the, you had three guys, Chris, uh Jesus and Taj, who played significant minutes last year, and everybody else was kind of new. And without having a summer, uh, we knew we'd have to be kind of do a lot, put in a lot, and and have a lot of new things to work on. And then when we got back to school, we really got slammed with some COVID issues that really disrupted our preseason with limited practice times. We also had some injuries uh, as part of that. So I, I think it was really just a combination of the lack of practice time, our lack of uh, playing together as a group. And I've said this too, I, I think I did a bad job early with trying to do too much with these guys. Uh, we were really good at nothing uh, instead of picking some things that I really wanted to concentrate in and be good at. So, you know, that that first, uh, you know, group of preseason, that first group of non-conference games, we just really were good at nothing. We couldn't, couldn't defend, we couldn't score, we couldn't do anything well. Uh, so th- that's, you know, kind of looking back on it and reflecting if I had to do it all over again uh, with the limited amount of practice times, practice time that we had and the combination of some guys being injured. Uh, I would have done a lot less uh, with these guys in the preseason. And I, I just think that, you know, we, we just were not a good basketball team. We had good players, but we were not a good basketball team early in the season. Yeah, You mentioned that as a team, you guys struggled with good players. Um we noticed one thing that hurt the team throughout the beginning of the season was turnovers. So did you have any adjustments that you made throughout the season that helped you guys protect the ball more as a team? I, I think it was just a combination of us getting, you know, improving as we went day to day. Certainly that was, you know, ball security for us early in the season was an issue uh, with multiple guys turning the ball over. It wasn't just one guy. So uh, we did a lot of new stuff offensively that we hadn't done our first year. And, uh, you know, again, it, it was, I, I think a lot of that was just a, a lack of practice time and a lack of consistency with guys playing together. 
Uh, and as the season went on, we got better at it. We improved on it. And uh, again, that, that's a tribute to the guys just kind of sticking with what we were doing and staying the course. So, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of these things that you saw, we were, I say we were two different teams. We were the two and 11 team. And then we, we were the, uh, you know, we were the eight and eight and five team. Uh, it was like, you know, two different teams during the season. The two and 11 team was a bad team. Obviously I wasn't doing a whole lot right. And then that, that eight and five uh, team, you know, certainly improved and, and uh, you know, enabled us to get to the MAC championship. So it, it really, really not one thing, Jack. It was just more of a combination of us kind of having multiple guys turn the ball over and, and, and we need to do, do a better job. Yeah, so another kind of trend that we noticed um, in the regular season was that many of the, the series splits saw the Stags drop in the first game, winning the second game. Um, I think majority of the games or the series that you split wound up that way besides St. Peter's. So what do you think, or why do you think that the Stags were statistically much better in the second game of those back-to-back games? Yeah, I, I think you know, the way this whole season went, that that was a trend with us and certainly a trend with other teams too who were, were kind of playing these back-to-backs. Uh, it's very difficult to beat a team on consecutive nights. Uh, and again, it's it's we went in, we watched film, we made corrections, uh, we got back on the practice floor the next day, even before the game. We went through some stuff that we needed to correct, and and, uh, and our guys were able to retain and make those corrections in a day. Uh, but it's just it, overall, it's difficult uh, to, to beat a team. Uh, on the other side of it, you know, you've just if you're on the other side of it, you've just won, and you're trying to convince your guys, you know, that that uh, you got to you know play better the next night because the team's going to be hungrier, going to come back and fight and win. So. Uh, there's, there's a lot of things that go into playing these back-to-backs, uh, but I think you know our ability to make some adjustments and, and for the guys to retain that and, and watch film and, and make those corrections was, was a good sign, and we were able to come back on most of the second nights and, and get the win. And, Coach, you mentioned as the season went on, you guys started to kind of find what you guys were good at and started to form an identity. And you later on, you mentioned the 8-5 and five team. They're two separate teams. You guys started to compete in almost every game you played. So what was the secret behind that success? Was it just like more practice time, more gelling together with the team? What was the secret, I guess, if there was one? Yeah, there was really no secret. I mean, I, I said this, uh, I keep saying 8-5. and five, I guess we were 8-6 and six down the stretch. But um, the secret was really just us staying the course and, and believing in what we were doing even though we were losing with it. Uh, you know, you've got to be secure enough in what you do as a coach and as a program that even when you lose that you're doing the right thing. And uh, I give a lot of credit to my assistant coaches and a lot of credit to the guys that uh, even though we were going through these tough times, uh, I didn't think it was a personnel issue. I thought it was a mistakes that we were making and stuff that we need to correct. I, I didn't think that we weren't good enough to win games. I just thought we were making way too many mistakes. Uh, and we would just kind of get back in that film room and we would, you know, address these mistakes that we had gone over and, and uh, what we need to do better. And so uh, I think, it, uh, Jack, it was just really just staying the course and believing in what we were doing, uh, not making a lot of drastic changes when that would have been the easy solution to do is, uh, you know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, things don't go your way and, and you just make these changes when, in, in fact, you, you're doing the right things. And that's difficult to navigate sometimes when you're losing. But we were able to do that. We kind of just 
did what we always did. We believed in what we were doing was the right thing, even though we were losing with it. And, and uh, you know, got back in the gym and just kept making corrections. And that's interesting that you mentioned that because obviously us as fans, we like the immediate, like, gratification. We're like, if we're losing, we like to say, why isn't this guy playing? Like, why we need more minutes to this guy, less minutes to that guy. So I guess staying the course kind of benefited you guys this year because obviously it ended up working out in the end. Towards the end of the year, you guys ended up kind of fixing it without really kind of making drastic changes. So I, I see that. I guess that's interesting to me. Yeah, I, I think with anything that you guys, you know, it's it's a good lesson in life that if if you've got good values and you're going in the and, and you know, you're working at something and uh, you're moving in the right direction, even though the success might not come right away, that uh, you stick with it because those are the things that are going to make you ultimately uh, successful. So, uh, I knew we were losing, obviously, better than anybody, and so did the team. But I would just go back and watch film, and and just thought we were heading in the right direction, even though it was difficult to see at times. You got to, got to kind of, uh, you know, navigate through some of that stuff, uh, and just really felt that that we could get better, and that we were a good basketball team. I would come in after every game, even from some difficult losses, and tell the team the same thing. I think we're, I believe we're a good basketball team. We just are not playing well right now. And uh, and I think that benefited us, you know, certainly with the guys, just with their confidence and, and, and staying the course. You know, that I'm a big believer in staying the course. And uh, you got to have tough moments as you build a program. And this is something that you got to go through. And, and we certainly went through some of those. All right. So wrapping up the regular season, Kind of looking back at it, what are some of your favorite memories that you're going to hold from the regular season beyond just this year? You know, Kyle, I, I just, you know, my memories are just really the way that these guys uh, came together through a very difficult year. I don't think that the outside kind of world knows what they were going through on a daily basis. You, you guys know a little bit of it as students on a college campus. You were isolated, wearing masks, mm-hmm. not being able to see some of your friends and your family. Now, now throwing the fact that you're playing, you know, uh, a competitive sport. And uh, we went through a lot of COVID issues, a lot of isolation issues. Uh, these guys spend very little time, you know, when, when you guys were able to go home at Thanksgiving and Christmas to see your families, uh, you know, we had very little time to do that. And uh, just just the way that they approached the season, uh, we were getting tested constantly, uh, you know, stops, starts. We're supposed to play someone on Tuesday or, or supposed to play someone on Friday. And Tuesday we find out it's a different team. And, and then Thursday we find out it's another different (laughs) you know so just just the obstacles that these guys overcame uh and then you throw into that the bad start and to finish where we where we did i'm just really proud so i i don't know if there's one great memory just just i'm going to look back at the season as a very difficult season for these guys and and the great job that they did on uh, a daily basis of kind of handling all the adversity that was coming at them yeah of course and even on I was listening to Open Court on your final episode. You're talking about how just Fairfield was one of the the best teams in in terms of COVID numbers this year, right? In the MAC, there was teams like Siena, Iona. They got paused for many weeks, yeah. and Fairfield only had what one one pause, right, all year. Right. So we we had some pauses uh, in the preseason for sure, uh, but during the season, yeah, that's correct. We only had one pause that was from a positive test. And again, uh, you know, and I said this in, in different, it's a great job by our guys, but also a great job by our university, our a- athletic director, Paul Schlickman, our president, Dr. Nemec, committed to testing, committed to 
uh, providing a safe environment for us. Um, so it, it, it's just not us. It's, it's, you know, when these things happen, you have success kind of through a season like this. It's, it's a lot of people involved with that. So they deserve a lot of credit as well. All right. So moving on from the, the regular season, we want to talk a little bit about the MAC tournament. Uh, so first off, starting from the beginning. So last year, we obviously played Manhattan at the end of the season, beat them, and then go into the MAC tournament and lose to them in the first round. So now going into this year's tournament, you're in the same exact scenario. Um, and you already talked about how hard it is for teams to win a game and then beat the same team back-to-back nights. Uh, so how hard did you find it to prepare for Manhattan, playing them in the third straight game, um, having beaten them in the regular season finale, and then going into the MAC tournament? Yeah, I mean, I, re- I think we all knew it was going to be kind of a root canal, you know, one of those games that is going to come right down to the end. Um, uh, just the, our games have kind of always come down to those situations. I mean, we were able to beat them the last game of the regular season uh, with Woj going for 33, but that was more of an anomaly than anything else. So I think we all felt that this was going to be a one-two possession game. Uh, but, you know, we even in our, our loss to them on the first night, uh, you know, that we played them at Manhattan, I thought we played well for about, you know, uh, 26, 27 minutes when we had a, a bad stretch there. So over the course of that weekend, we had played some pretty good basketball. So I, I liked where we were, but I also know that that thing was going to be a one-two possession game. And I felt like if we could get through that game, uh, that maybe we could get some confidence because we were playing much better basketball at that time of year. And, you know, it, it's all about it's all about playing great in March. You know, it's it, it's where your where your team's at, where their mind is at. And I thought we were in a pretty good place. So, uh, I like I said, I knew it was going to be a really difficult game, which it was. Um, and uh, we were fortunate to win that uh, game. And then you could kind of feel the momentum starting to switch and the confidence in our locker room and, and that type of thing. So, you know, a lot of things have to break right for you in that time of year. Some of it's luck. Some of, you know, some of it's guys playing well. And we were fortunate um, – you know, during that stretch to have uh, both those things happen for us. Yeah, of course. Before we move on from the Manhattan game, uh, we just had one question that we were, uh, you know, been thinking about. Uh, so during the end of the regulation in the Manhattan game, obviously you elected not to foul and send them to the line, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, let them attempt the shot, and then they tied the game. Obviously, it was a very difficult shot. Um, but up three there, what was kind of the thought process? Obviously, it worked out for us in the end, but what was the thought process behind not you know, sending him to the line? Was it our poor free throw shooting? Was it just the confidence in the defense? What was the kind of process behind that? You know, I, th- I think a lot of things go into those decisions. First of all, there's there's never, you know, I, I read on Twitter, you always have to do this or you always have to. There's no absolutes in sports. You have to have a feel for your team, their IQ, their ability to execute certain plays. So when people say you always have to do something, that's they, they just – you know, you, you don't always have to do anything. You you as a coach are around these guys all the time. So a couple of things go into following, uh, you know, with a three point lead. One, the the analytics support uh, playing that out. Um, the problem is when you don't follow like we do, and someone makes a shot, that's what you see. You don't see the hundreds of games that people elect just to play it out and and uh, rebound the ball, you know, and, and win the game. So the analytics slightly support. Uh, not following. Um, the other part of that is uh, you only want to have to do that once, right? So you're going to have to follow with about five seconds or so under the shot clock, six seconds to make it work. And 
teams now know that you're going to foul, so that what they'll do is they'll get into the act of shooting. Um, and they're, they're kind of programmed to do that. That's the second thing I don't like about it. The third thing I don't like about it is the offensive rebound percentage, which has been tracked, if if the other team miss, misses, goes up significantly, that referees will not call fouls on missed free throws. Um, and you can then lose the game. There was a game last year, I don't know if you guys saw that the team elected to foul. Guy made the first one, missed the second one, was an offensive rebound, and they sprayed out for a three and lost the game. So my philosophy, and, and the fourth thing that goes into this is like, you know, we're a defensive-minded team, and I, you know, we're always talking about stops and rebounds. And in the most cr- crucial moment of your of the game, you kind of go away from that philosophy. Like, okay, now we're just going to foul. So there's a lot of things that go into their decisions. I would say, first and foremost, I'm always looking at the analytics, and the analytics will slightly. Now it's not a it's not a huge margin, but they slightly support not fouling in that situation. The analytics also tell you that offensive rebound percentage goes way up on on those type of moments because referee won't re- referees won't blow fouls. So that's kind of my philosophy, and that doesn't mean next year with a different team that that I I wouldn't change that and that I I would follow. I think you look at your guys every single year, look at their ability to execute certain plays in those situations, and and. Uh, you know that's that's the decision we made. So obviously we were lucky to win the game, uh, but we have we have not fouled uh, a bunch of times in that situation. Also rebounded the ball cleanly, and no one ever talks about it. <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so no, that's, that's a great point because like how many times yeah. the, does that happen where you know teams attempt like half court shots, different shots like that, lose the game. But whenever it happens, you see it on Sports Center, whatnot. And you really only get criticized when it doesn't work out in your way, but you, you almost don't get praised when it does work out too. So you're kind of like in a a lose lose situation as a coach there. So well, again, the the you know Ken Palm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. He's kind of the analytic guru. He did a study mm-hmm. on this thing, and I actually heard him speak. Uh, and he gave all the numbers on the thing. And basically, what it tells you is, you know, again, these these are philosophical things for different staffs, and, and it's the ability to know your team. Uh, but basically, the the uh, not fouling was more successful than fouling in cert- certain situations, in most situations, slightly, slightly. So I'm always looking at the numbers. Um, and then again, it's 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 difficult for us as a as a coach. And our whole thing is like just get stops, get stops. We're going to get stops. And then in your moment where you need your biggest stop of the game, you say, okay, now go ahead and foul. It's kind of counterintuitive to the way you you <clears throat> coach. So. Uh, but again, that's not to say next year we wouldn't look at it with a different team and different guys, and maybe maybe say foul. We kind of look at that thing every single year. Uh, but in general, I'm a guy who who wouldn't follow up three. And it's interesting you mentioned the uh, the act of shooting, kind of uh, the uh, idea of at, getting to the act of shooting upon trying to get a reach and foul. It's like if that happens, that's like disaster number one. Like if you foul on a three while they're shooting, that's like the worst thing you possibly do in that situation. And we've seen, like, this year, especially in college, guys are able to contort their bodies in such ways to kind of get that act of shooting with not actually shooting the ball. So you honestly don't want that to happen in terms of, like, you just try to reach in, get a quick foul, and they're shooting the ball, and you end up getting a four-point play or something, like, crazy happening. And then you are ridiculed beyond belief for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, there's, to me, you got to get a stop and a rebound, right? That's that's in that situation. Uh a lot of things go into play and foul, and you got to foul at the right time. You can't foul in the act of shooting. 
you've got to make sure you, if there's a miss on the free throw, you've got to make sure you miss, you rebound the free throw. If there's not a miss, you've got to inbound the ball successfully. Then you've got to go down the other end of the, and make your free throws. So there's a lot of different things that come into play. It's not just fouling. Uh, it's, it's just not fouling at the end of the game. There's a lot of different things that you have to check off. Now, again, uh, you know, if, if it's under five seconds, you like your chances there under six seconds, whatever the time is, uh, Eve, but, but it's, it's a lot of things that go into that, that, uh, again, you, you, you just see like the situations like us where a guy makes a three, you don't, they never make sports center when you just get a stop and a rebound. Those, <laughs> mm. those, those aren't sexy. Yeah. So moving on to the next round. In the second round, obviously, we have that huge winning against Monmouth by 20. What did this team do to prepare for that game, and how hard was it to prepare for a team that we hadn't even played that this year before that game? We did what we always did. We, you know, we after the game. Uh, now you're playing back to back to back. So on our second game, there we just got back to the hotel. Uh, we got those guys to bed, got up the next morning and watched film of some of our mistakes we made I mean, the night before uh, versus Manhattan. Went, moved on to uh, Monmouth. Assistants do a great job. I got an unbelievable staff who has this, you know, really prepared for each game. So everybody going into the tournament had a team, obviously, and we, we were ready to go as soon as we knew who we were playing. Um, and in that case, we knew we were playing Monmouth. So, uh, really prepared for what they were going to do, and just a, a completely different style of team that we had played before. There, I think they, at the time they were the third fastest team in the country. So you got two completely different styles, and we were really concerned about possessions, and and we didn't know if we could win a game up in the you know seventies or eighties. So uh, we just really did what we always did. We we kind of came up with our, what our plan was, some stuff that we liked that we thought could help us offensively, some things we had to do defensively. Uh, got on the court for about an hour. We were, you know, every day you're allowed to have about an hour of practice, kind of walk through what we wanted to do. And and at that point of the year, you know, there's not a lot you can do. You're hoping that you're prepared. You're hoping that all the practices that you had leading up to that point uh, are going to pay off. And we we're lucky enough to make some shots and defend them and and uh, have a very good win. But it was really nothing. The, the, the process was exactly the same that we've been doing all year. You know, correct, try and correct some mistakes from our previous game. Uh, come up with a game plan for for how we want to attack them next game, and you know, hopefully execute that. So that's really that's really what we did. We we stayed consistent to what we've been doing all year. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the high pace because that's what me and Colin was worried about going to that game beforehand. Was like if we were to match up with Monmouth, we had the guys like Pappas were like such great three pointers. We already watched them play earlier in the against other teams. And they were just such great three pointers. We were worried about just a lights out night, lights out lights out night from those guys from three, and just not being able to keep up. But we played. You guys ended up playing great defense on him. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he did not have a great game, from what I remember. Yeah. Well, I was worried about the same thing, guys. If it makes you feel better, because I, <laughs> I was worried about the exact same things. And and they've got some really good players. Uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately for us, we were you know able to you know defend and and you know some of that too is they got to miss you know even some open ones that they got i thought that they missed um you know and like i said a lot of things go into playing well you know it's it, it or, or moving on at that time of year and and like and we were able to just get enough stops and and make enough baskets and kind of pull away at the end for a good win yeah and obviously we weren't expecting a 20 point win i don't think you were either going to that mammoth game but how did it feel at the end of that game to get some of the bench guys um 
a minute at the end to kind of check into that to a Mac tournament game. Some of the bench guys like John Mullaly or Jack Mullaly, Mark Henry, those kind of guys. Yeah, it was great. Those guys to get a little taste of getting on on the Mac tournament, and those guys are a huge part of our program. Uh, you know, and do an unbelievable job of preparing us. They they run all the other team stuff. They're like the scout team every day. Um, and they just are locked in and, and do a unbelievable job, like I said, of getting us ready to play in every single game. So it was it was good to reward those with the guys with a, a couple minutes. And it's funny you mentioned uh, how you didn't expect to win by 20 because we had uh, Zach Chrysler on here a couple weeks ago, and he was telling us that uh, at some point during that game you were in the huddle uh, during a timeout, and you were saying early on in the game something like don't sit down till we're up by 20 or something like that, joked about it, and somehow it came true so yeah i think that was a moment where uh where they made a little run in the second half i forget what they cut it to but it was single digits for sure or or, or maybe less than that probably less than that and i just thought our body language was uh bad coming into the huddle and i just reminded them that we were still up we were le- leading in the game and i think i said did you think we would, you know when did anybody think we were going to win this game by 20 uh being sarcastic and of course they they reminded me after the game that we did win them by 21 <laughs> i think that was the moment that he's probably talking about when when i just uh i just didn't like our body language coming back to one of the timeouts if it makes you feel better i think it was 19 i think the ball yeah. ended up being 19 wasn't quite 20s yeah <laughs> but uh so I was right. I was right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so after the Monmouth win, right, uh, the tournament, for us at least, it started to feel very winnable. I remember after that game, we were like, this two is games. very possible, we two, like, games. two games. Two games. Because obviously the first round, we kind of expected to win. Um, but then once you're versing these higher seeds, it's kind of like uh, we as fans weren't necessarily really expecting to win. After the Monmouth win, it felt very real. But how did you and the team kind of handle the emotions of knocking off a huge team but then having to bounce back right away against an even higher seed in St. Peter's? All right. Yeah, it's a good question. You know, and it goes back to really what our process has been all year that, um, uh, you know, we, we kind of like our, our slogan is, you know, uh, when we go into the tournament, we got to win in one in a row four times. And, and just getting those guys to really concentrate on what's next, never looking too far ahead. And, Again, this tribute to my staff and the guys that we have on the team. I thought we did an unbelievable job of really just don't worry about Saturday. Worry about you know Friday night because there is no Saturday if you don't take care of business on Friday night. So really, you know, having a great locker room and then just kind of getting them back down to earth and 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 going through that process uh, of of what, how we're going to prepare for the next game. And that that basically goes true when we lost games early in the year too. Uh, I say this all the time that that we we handle wins and losses the exact same way. Uh, obviously, the feeling, guys, is much different, right? When you win, it's, it's completely two different feelings. Mm-hmm. But our evaluation of how we played and what we do next is always the same, whether we win or lose. So there have been games when we've won that uh, I've come in and be really disappointed in our execution and our plays, and we will address those type of things. Uh, and on the same time, there's been games that we've lost, and I've said, well, you know, we, we did some really good things and played well even though we lost. So uh, just that kind of process that we always do, I thought was helpful to us that we're just going to evaluate whether we won or lost the exact same way, and we're going to move on to what's, what's next. We're not going to think ahead, and uh, our guys did a, a really good job of that. Yeah. So I know this goes against what you just said about <laughs> the next question goes against what you just said about taking it one step at a time. 
But as the team got closer and closer to the championship and got to the championship game, was there any mention between coaches or players about a possible matchup with a one seed in, if you guys were to make the NCAA tournament? No. <laughs> Just curious. Because I, I know we joked about, like, oh, what if we played Gonzaga? What if we played Baylor? <laughs> like, what would, what would I think, happen? I think, I think if you get to that point, uh, you know, you're so happy, and, and you obviously know you're going to play a monster, right? We, we know we're going into uh, – if that would have happened, we would have gone to the tournament with, with a, a, you know, a, uh, losing record so you're going to play a monster uh whoever you're going to play so but you're so happy just to be there it doesn't really matter but we never really talked about that we talked about you know just just what's ahead of us the next night and uh and and how we can approach that game yeah jack added that question this morning to the script i was <laughs> like curious. without a doubt his answer is gonna <laughs> yeah. be no clearly but um yeah you can move on to the, the yeah. last question of the max so, tournament yeah, so the championship game obviously didn't go our way, you know, but how did this loss motivate you guys to get back to that same spot next year and even further? And do you feel this run will give your team any some valuable experience to build another run? Well, I hope so. And, uh, you know, I said to him afterwards, and it's it's amazing, like, you you know, 24 hours before that, you're as high as, as you can be as a team and as a staff, and then you, you go and you play in the game, and then 24 hours later, you're as low as you can be. Uh, and I just reminded them what they just accomplished. And I also said, because it was a devastated locker room, you know, it was guys were really, uh, really uh, broken up about the loss. And I just said, you know, uh, what a good team does now is remembers this feeling that we have right now. And every workout, every individual, every lifting session, uh, every film session, that this feeling motivates you to get back to this game and win it. So I, I hope we're... Again, I really like our maturity as a team, and I've been really uh, pleased with our workouts here in the spring. So I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping that that's, we've got a long way to get back there, and, and I understand all the obstacles that that uh, can happen to get there, but I've been really pleased with, with our approach to stuff right now. Also, I just wanted to – I don't know, like, I hope your your, uh, your players know. I know Zach mentioned that, like, we had the – then most people we've ever, me and Kyle have ever seen watching Fairfield basketball was this run these last few games in the tournament. So I hope your players know that like when they win, like the amount of buzz around campus is like crazy for this team. Yeah, like, I mean, I mean, we watch most of the games together all year. Jack and I are friends at our houses, but like when when they made it to the on this run, so many other people in our classes, our other like extended friends, everyone was so excited about the team, and it was like. I, I mentioned that St. Peter's game was like the closest thing yeah. that I've gotten here to like a really like big, I don't know, student kind of section student, experience. Yeah. I don't know. So it was it was great and and uh, we really really do appreciate that whole that whole run. Well, that's great to hear. You know, I'm I'm somewhat impervious to that type. I'm kind of in my bunker and don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. So mm. I know the guys on the team appreciate that, and hopefully that carries over because we're going to be. You know, we're back over to Bridgeport next year, and hopefully we can get some students to go over there and watch us play. Yeah, of course. So uh, we're going to move on uh, now to, to looking to some individual player questions, some questions about some of the guys on the team. Uh, so at the beginning of the year, uh, we talked to you, obviously, about your high expectations for the freshman class, and Jack and I were really, really impl- impressed with the way they played this year, pretty much all of them. Uh, obviously, some of them had some injuries, but uh, we were very impressed with how they looked. Uh, so, can you just give us a quick kind of evaluation of the freshman class as a whole from your perspective? Yeah, I, th- I think they were probably put in the most difficult position, you know, uh, 
in, in really all, every freshman uh, who didn't have a summer. You know, usually we get eight weeks during the summer, so the lifting part of it, they've kind of gone through the, the all that torture and the soreness of their bodies and the conditioning part of it. Uh, and they've gone, we've had eight weeks of workout, so they kind of know what to expect. So literally when they came back to school, uh, that was their first introduction to Fairfield basketball. And uh, there were different de- degrees of guys, how, how they handle it. We, we got, we had issues with injuries. Uh, we had issues with illness. Um, and I think they did a great job. All of them had really good moments at some point. You know, for Jason, I, I say this about Jason all the time, Jason started the marathon and everybody was already halfway through the race by the time he started practice. <laughs> you know, so for him, it was such a frustrating season because he got sick on a couple occasions and then he got hurt a little bit. So he was just so late to start. Um, it was it was frustrating for all of us, including him, and then he did a nice job. Uh, he's just started coming on and practice and practice. He started practicing more consistently. Supreme, as you know, had some great moments for us too and is getting better um, I think he's got a chance to be a really special player in this league. And uh, again, you know, like like Supreme was hurt the whole preseason for the most part. And about a week before we play Providence, uh, we throw him in there and start him against, you know, a kid who's, uh, you know, fourth year senior and, and uh, you know, talk about throwing a kid to the wolves. And it's all new for him. Well, the offensive stuff was new for him. The defensive stuff was new for him. So, uh, he had some great moments from it, and you could see where he was playing at the end of the season. And same thing for Jalen. You know, Jalen was in a good place, I thought, playing well, is giving us good energy off the bench. And unfortunately, he breaks his foot versus Marist, and we lose him for the season. So they all had, you know, really uh, some ups and downs, but really pleased with that class. Um, Got to keep them healthy and, and moving forward. I think that's that's a class that, that we'll, you know, be building on uh, for sure. Yeah, of course. And just one question off of that. Uh, obviously, Jason is a player we've been excited to watch as well. But uh, what was kind of the thought process between between starting him um, for the first time, really like late in the season, specifically in the MAC tournament, uh, with like little experience? Did you just trust him that much from all you know, what he's shown you in practice? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, literally, that's kind of we had just lost to Manhattan the night before. And uh, I just felt, you know, in the, in the, we needed like a vaccination. That's probably the bit uh, <laughs> that, that uh, we just needed a lift. And I, I was sitting around uh, with my staff, you know, probably an hour before getting on the bus. And I said, you know what? We've just kind of given everybody a chance here. Everybody's really had a chance this year to play except for Jason. And, and that's really the reasons what I said before. And I said, like, if we go into this second game now, we kind of know what we are and we know what we get. And we just, I just felt we needed, uh, like I said, an injection of something, uh, some energy, you know, can we get some more points? Can we, and Jason had been playing well in practice. So honestly, guys, it was one of these things where I, uh, it was, and, and I, I kind of knew that if we didn't start them, I might not even play him. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where, where you're just better to start, start him, and you know you're going to guarantee him some minutes. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you remember the game. Uh, uh, he got off to a bad start. He gave up like an offensive rebound right away, and they scored. And he came down the other end, and 
uh, I think he had a turnover down the other end or something. So his first minute of the game, I was always ready to pull him. And uh, <laughs> uh, I just kind of stuck with him. And uh, he he really helped us in that game, obviously. And then, you know, we just we just went with that lineup. We won. We, we kind of kept winning with it. So it was a thing that we just kind of went with that lineup. So that was really what that came down to. Just the night, you know, literally in a couple hours before we got on the bus, me just deciding, hey, let's give him a shot. He's been playing well in practice, and and there's nothing to lose at this point of the year. Let's see if he can give us a, an, another guy who could score a basket and, and and help us on that end of the floor, uh, help us on the on both ends of the floor. And he and he, and he did that. So yeah, so obviously you talk about the freshmen being big additions, but the real big additions were obviously Zach and Jake, and helped that who helped our success this year. So how pleased with you? How pleased were you with their like immediate impact on this lineup and how it changed our changed the team? Well, immediately it didn't. Well, you know, yeah, the Niagara remember, series was like, tough, but yeah, as the season well, went even, on, even even down the stretch, um, even those first few games, we were just a different team. And, and it, it, again, those guys, uh, you know, it was a roller coaster for them. And we went, we we took both those guys really with the expectation that those guys were going to be able to play right away. That was our expectation, and then you know, the NCAA ruled that they could not play. So it was just really a downer for everybody. Uh, we knew that they were going to be important to our success. And and the other guys on the team, it was a downer for them too. They've been practicing with them. And we, you know, we find out literally an hour before the Providence game that, that they're going to be ineligible. And it's not like they're ineligible for the Providence game. They're ineligible for the year. So like, you, you know, that, that news comes down and it just deflates you and it deflates them. And then we, you know, just for them they thought they were going to sit out the year then we start getting wind of you know some legislation that's that's being passed that they might be immediate eligible so it gives you a little hope but you don't know whether it's going to uh, be passed or not and then we find out on the bus ride up to niagara that gets passed and those guys are eligible but they're you know you so you go through all these different emotions for those guys of you know am i going to play am i not going to play you know and and it's just difficult so early uh you know we were just we were just again not a good basketball team and that wasn't their fault it was all of our faults we just weren't gelling we weren't and then you saw as we came on like the the chemistry improved the the synergy between the other between everybody improved and they became huge additions to our team so it was just again it was like just the strangest year with so much stuff going on uh you know off the court behind the scenes that it just took them a while to get going and once they did they were they really you know uh, did a great job for us. I was just curious after that Providence, right? You said they were, you know, ineligible for the season. So you thought, did you continue to like run them in the offensive plan during practice as if they would be able to play that season? Was there any doubt, or, or had you really thought they they really were not going to play that season? At that point, we we probably leaning towards that they weren't going to play. Uh, but it's a fine line, right? You're trying to keep these guys engaged with the program and trying to keep their hopes up but also you're trying to prepare for your next game if you remember like that first two weeks we had jammed in i don't know five or six games because you had such a limited window with the new calendar to play non-conference games Mm -hmm. so we just we were playing like every other night almost so you want to kind of keep them engaged but you also know that you're not going to have them for the next game uh you know that for sure so it's just a difficult thing to do uh, you, you're trying to get ready, trying to get prepared, and uh, and at the same time keep them involved. So it it, it was it was tough on them, uh, 
but it was always that fine line, especially when you didn't think that they were going to be eligible of, of okay, now you're going to move on and you got to run the other team's stuff. Well, the, you got to defend that with the guys who are going to be playing. You got to def- you got to have an offensive game plan with the guys you know are going to be on the floor. And at that point, we knew that they weren't going to be playing, especially in those non-conference games. Yeah. So, so one of the guys uh, moving on that that we talked to you at the beginning of the season had high expectations for um, was Chef, but it didn't really quite work out that way this year. Um, but we do feel like he showed some bright spots during the season, um, showed his athleticism. So, so what do you think kind of his struggles were this season? What, what would you like to see him work on? for next year you know, I thought Chef did a good job for us in, in a lot of spots he really did and you know I think sometimes when there's certain positions right in, in any sport where no one kind of grabs the position and owns it that you just try different combinations and just try different things and I thought at that four spot you know we went with Chris early we went with Chef and then it was just a, it was like kind of a revolving a revolving door uh, up front at times because we were just having guys, you know, play inconsistently. So I, I just think, you know, for, for a lot of guys, not only Chef, it's just the consistency of playing and, uh, you know, playing time, I always say, is about trust. Trust. And, and when you're playing close games where we are, you know, who do you trust the most and, and, and that type of thing. So uh, for for it's not just Chef. It's for all our guys. We need to be more consistent with some of our, our things and some of our habits. But I think he's going to have a good year for us moving forward. Um it was a learning experience for him too, uh, and and you know he's a great kid and has a great attitude. So I'm, I'm I'm hoping, and I'm confident. I shouldn't say I'm hoping. I'm confident that he's gonna you know really help us, and he helped us last year too, uh, help us more uh, moving forward. Yeah. So another player that me and Kyle obviously have a soft spot for. We love since he was a freshman that we discussed in our first interview with you was um, Alan Jean Rose, and obviously Alan had a down year as well kind of struggled for minutes so what was your evaluation of Allen and what do you think he needs to improve on for next season yeah you know I love AJ he just he needs to make a jump I mean you know he needs to make the jump and I thought not having a summer for him and Chris really hurt those guys last year mm-hmm. that you know uh told this story a bunch of times we lost to Manhattan in the first round of the uh, MAC tournament previous year on the bus ride home you know we we heard that uh, school has going to be was going to extend the the uh, Easter recess or Easter break for another week, and I was already mad that we were going to lose a week of <laughs> of uh, mm-hmm. workouts. So I'm like, you know, and we got off the bus. I told those guys to go home. We'll be in touch. And I saw him in September. That was the next time. <laughs> so it was just, you know, if I had to pick, you know, two guys who were, it would first of all be the freshman class who didn't have any summer, and then Chris and AJ. We just need a, a summer of getting stronger and in the weight room and that type of thing. So I, I didn't, he just didn't make the jump that we thought he would, but I thought as the season went on and down the stretch, he played much better and had some really good moments for us in the, uh, in the Mac tournament. So uh, we need to get everybody back here the summer, continue to work. And again, it's, it's a process. It's a process for AJ. AJ came from Martinique where, you know, like it's not certainly known as a basketball country, he had a learning curve when he got here. Uh, and it's, it's just, you know, it's it's not a video game, guys, where you just plug in who you're going to want to play, and, and this is what they do. This this is like, you know, step-by-step, brick-by-brick type of thing, and some guys make quicker jumps than others, and AJ's been a little slower for some reasons, but, but uh, I like where he's at right now. But and we, I like the fact that, that he's been having good workouts this spring. We mentioned, me and Kyle, like, talk about AJ as the uh, 
the Monmouth Killer. Yeah. Was this Thomas at Fairfield? I didn't know if that was a thing. There's you some, guys- yeah, there's something about him when it comes to Monmouth. I know he did well in the MAC tournament last year, obviously, buzzer beater. So we, we call him the Monmouth Killer on the show. Something comes around. When he comes when he comes to Monmouth, something, something, something gets comes at him. him. Yeah. So. Good to know. I got to play him role against Monmouth. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, next up we want to talk about Caleb. Obviously, he's one of the leaders of the team this year. Um but our one kind of criticism has been his was his rough start scoring wise. But then when it came to the MAC tournament, he stepped up a lot scoring wise. I think he dropped 14 against Monmouth or St. Peter's. Uh, so, what does he kind of need to work on to make sure that scoring wise he's that that MAC tournament Caleb for a consistent season next season? Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, certainly Caleb again with like a lot of our guys got off to a slow start and and you know consistency was a issue with him shooting the ball more than anything. Um, but Caleb's never going to be the 16 to 18. He's going to have nights like that where it goes in. But, uh, you know, the Caleb I like is is just, you know, a very efficient box score. He does an unbelievable job of taking care of the basketball for us. And we we play in a league that's not like a lot, a lot of teams press in this league. Mm-hmm. Uh, most leagues that, in the country, there aren't a lot. You get one or two presses, several teams in this league that press, and he just rocks solid with the ball. Uh, he's a great leader. Um, he has the best habits of any player I've ever been around in over 30 years. He's in the gym constantly. So even when I knew he was struggling a little bit shooting the ball, uh, I knew he would get out of it because of his habits. And, you know, on his, obviously we want him to, you know, expand on his range, be a, be a higher three-point shooter, all the things that you guys could probably look at a box score and tell me yourself. <laughs> uh, but I don't think he's, you know, I don't know if, uh, of, you know, he's going to have some games where he gets to 16 and 18 and, I think, you know, for, for us to be a good basketball team, he's got to be more of a facilitator uh, and get us, you know, going a little more in transition. Those are the things I'd like to see a little more out of him this year. And obviously he's going to improve uh, on his numbers from from last year. I think all our guys will because uh, they get in the gym and they work. But, you know, Caleb, we we wouldn't have been anywhere close to uh, making that run at the end if it, if it wasn't for him and the way he approaches you know, what he does every single day. He's a great example for guys of when, you know, whether things go well for him or, or things go poorly, he stays consistent with his habits. Yeah, so another guy who kind of was a big part of the team this year, um, who we like a lot, Chris Mido. He had some very good games this season. Um, and usually we saw it was when he played with aggression, but we felt like he didn't consistently always play with that aggression. So um, how do you kind of coach him to make sure that he does bring that aggression on a more consistent basis? And how much does that have to do with off-season training, weight training, stuff like that? Yeah, that's a big part of it. You know, I used to joke with Chris that he's got an anger management issue, but he's, <laughs> never, he's never angry. That's, that's, his issue. that's a good kid. Um, and, and you know, uh, Chris, Chris was – his season was kind of indicative of our, of our, our team where he started off slowly. Uh, and, again, that was, a, 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 I think, a product of his conditioning and his lack of – uh, you know, a, availability to get into any sort of weight room during the pandemic and just kind of coming back here uh, really hadn't gained much weight, hadn't much, had much progress in that area. So, so, you know, this has been talked about by everybody. He's probably sick of hearing it. He's got to get, got to put some more pounds on him, which he's, he's uh, he has been working hard to do that. He's in a good place right now. He's got to use that weight room now and live in that weight room. Uh, but you saw like a Chris in that second half of the season before he got hurt and we lost him for the, for, you know, the entire max here tournament that he was playing really good basketball. Uh, and his numbers again, like, you know, his numbers first half of the season, second half of the season 
we're, it was like a different guy. It's like a, we, we got a different player. So we've got to get that second half of the Chris next year, which I think we will, and, you know, uh, get him healthy, get him in that weight room where he can probably play, you know, 210 to 220. I mean, 220 would be the, you know, would be a dream of mine and his too. But but just get him where he's just not so light and uh, and can and can do some more things. I mean, there's just some physical things that, at 190 pounds at 610 that you can't do. Mm. So we got to, we got to work, continue to work on that end of the floor, but he's a, you know, he's a terrific kid. And, uh, you know, I, I've talked about what his upside is all the time and we've got to kind of have a great summer with him here this year and, and get him stronger and, and get him playing like he was in the second half of the season. Uh, I just had a question about kind of the big men in general. So me and Kyle on the show mentioned throughout the year, we kind of mentioned as cook and motto, they would some nights would be Mario kind of getting the majority of minutes. Some nights would be Cook getting the majority of minutes, and whether it be foul trouble or whatever. We kind of just thought it was it due to a hot hand that you would play certain guy like Mario over Cook or Cook over Mario, or is it more of a like foul trouble? Like in the case of foul trouble, if one was in foul trouble, you play the other one more. Because we because yeah. we kind of yeah. thought of them as like a unit. We like to call them like a, like a big man unit because separately the numbers don't look amazing, but you put them together. That's like a yeah, you could always, we out. always like relied on one of them to do well each night. Yeah, it wasn't always the same, but it was we kind of viewed them as a unit, and it usually worked out that way. Yeah, yeah, it, it really depended a lot on combinations of, uh, and again, who you know who could they cover? You know, um, when teams went small at the four, it was more of a difficult cover for Chris uh, at times, and and really Supreme doesn't really cover four men; he's more of a guy who covers five men, so. A lot of those things go into uh, play, and it's usually when you see matchups and you see combinations, it's much more about what those guys can do on the defensive end and who they can cover than it is on the offensive end. The other thing we started like uh, started to do late in the season is try and always play supreme with kind of a veteran at the four spot. That really helped them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watched down the stretch, we really played Cruz a lot at the four and, and played supreme at the five and played them uh, a lot together. Uh, and I thought that really helped Supreme just having another guy in the front court who was older and had been through some wars uh, next to him rather than playing two young guys at that split, the four and the five together. So a lot of things go into that, and, and some of it, yeah, some of it is like, you know, who's just playing well at the time, but, but again, it's more, you know, I'd have to go back and look at it, but it's more of a, a combination of, of, you know, who can they cover down that other end, uh, and, and how does that work out? And it helps having uh, Zach Chrysler, the best uh best charge taker in the uh yeah he told us on the show that he thinks he would be uh top 10 or even leading the nation in charges if that was a stat but he was disappointed that it's not a stat online <laughs> uh he he he's, does a great job with that and uh he uh, i don't know if he'd be top in the country that's probably he's created that in his own mind but, <laughs> uh, but he does do a great job of that and and you know uh, I know this, that wasn't a question about Zach, but he does a he does a really good job of, of I would say things that don't show up in the box score that we see every day, mm-hmm. uh, and and really helped us uh, defensively. Even though he's not most the most gifted guy athletically, but really knows how to play angles and knows where to be on the floor defensively. That that you know helps us. So going on to, well, who we call the MVP of the team this year, Taj Benning. How excited are you to have Taj back next year after kind of taking that that big step into becoming one of the better players in the Mac. I thought Taj, you know, um, I thought Taj was an all-conference player. I was disappointed when he didn't make any of the teams. 
uh, thought he had a great season for us. And, and Taj is just a self-made guy. He's, he's, you know, uh, I say to the team, the magic is always in the work. And, and Taj is one of these guys who lives in the gym, puts in the time. Um, you know, he's, he's a really good defender, plays every possession for us. He's really what embodies what, when I think about a Fairfield basketball player, that Taj has those characters, that he's tough, he's competitive, and he works. Uh, so uh, I was thrilled. I was thrilled that he's coming back. And, uh, uh, you know, Jesus is also coming back. I don't know if you guys knew that or if anybody really knew that, but Jesus has decided to come back. Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we actually didn't know that, so that's yeah, new for he, us. He's, he's decided to come back and play his fifth year, too, so I couldn't be more thrilled to have both those guys back. Yeah, it's great, especially after the run we just had. Yeah. Uh, we hated to see them kind of go out. If they did go out losing in the final, we want them to come back. Have another shot at it. So we so were trying to read their body language, see if it looked, <laughs> if they were like sad, like last game ever sad, or just sad because they lost. We we're trying to yeah. read between well, the I lines. I think that's part of it, guys. I think that the fact that we got so close, uh, and that's certainly every player's dream at this level, right, to play in the NCAA tournament, and uh, they feel that we've got the places, the pieces in place to to make another good run next year, and that, a lot of things go with that, obviously. But uh, they wanted to go back and give it one more shot, which is I'm, I'm thrilled to have them back. All right, so finally kind of getting towards the end of the interview, we're going to move on to a couple questions about next season. Um, so one of the reoccurring goals for the Stags always since we've been here uh, has been to improve offensively. And beginning of the year you told us that your plan was to play quicker, um, but obviously there's still room to grow offensively. So what's your plan? Is it the same, or, or what's your new plan trying to uh, improve offensively over the summer into next season? Yeah, uh, certainly we've got a long way to go in that area. We We did, you know, I always, you know, because it's easy for me to do, I look at the at how we played like those last 14 games of the season. And, you know, our offensive numbers were good. We we became a, a better, we became, our assists were up, our turnovers were down. We shot a higher percentage from three. We shot a higher percentage uh, from two. Um, we were a better free throw shooting team. So if you look at our numbers, you know, those last 14 games when we were eight to six, we shot over 40% from the floor. We shot right around 33% from three, 70% from the free throw line. Uh, and we had a good assist to turnover uh, ratio from the guys, you know, for the most part who were taking care of the ball for us. So uh, we've got to build on those last 14 games and improve on all areas and our, our ability to shoot the basketball, our ability to, uh, to even get more assists to play quicker than, than we have been playing. We didn't make the strides that I wanted to in the, that area. Um, so yeah, there's there's room for improvement on every single one of those categories. But I did think, you know, you're not going to fix everything in one year. That's the you know you, you're trying. You look at your numbers every year and say, you know, what can we make a dent in? What can we improve in? What can we move the needle? And mm -hmm. and there's a few areas that that uh, we did a good job of that this year, and we need to do more uh, moving forward. So uh, I think you know we're going to add a couple pieces to recruiting. But you know, I, I was saying to the team. The other day, we're going to do this the old-fashioned way. Everybody in the program is going to get better. <laughs> you know, like that's that's to me a refreshing way to do it, and that's what we're going to we're going to do. We're going to work on. Uh, uh, we've got some great pieces coming in to help us, but really, it's you know the guys in the locker room that are currently here need to get better, and that's what we're going to try and do. But again, that's a long-winded answer to yeah, we got a lot of work to do still on that end of the floor, and a lot of work to do defensively too. We you know we we had great moments down the stretch i thought you saw what we could become defensively but we've got to build on that and i think there's a lot of room for improvement there too so this next question comes from one of our twitter followers so yeah we're not completely sure if you're able to answer this fully 
So the question, are you, are there still moves to be made with the roster before next year? Or are you guys all set on recruiting? Um, well, we don't have any scholarships. So right now we're, we're set on recruiting. We've got three incoming guys. Um, and with the rule change, uh, you know, Cal is going to graduate, as you guys know, and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were able to use Taj and Jesus' scholarship because they, we were planning on them leaving. Mm-hmm. So next year we'll carry 15 guys on the roster. Uh, which a lot of teams, that's not a, an issue with us only. It's every team in the country will have more guys because of this rule change where everybody got the, the year back. So right now we're done. Uh, you know, some, change, some things change later in the season sometimes, but right now we're we're done uh, with recruiting. And, and uh, like I said, we've got to bring in three new guys and and uh, have everybody back, which is which is great. So And also, in terms of next year for scheduling, are there any plans for any – uh, out of conference games for next year or tournaments, preseason tournaments? Yeah, so obviously we're going to have, hopefully we go back, guys, to the regular, you know, schedule where we're, we're starting on the old date and we have room for, you know, almost a month of non-conference games. So we're working on that now. We've got some games that we're trying to solidify dates with, working with, uh, you know, obviously we don't have a, an arena that's just ours now. So you when you go over to Bridgeport, mm-hmm. you share it with a hockey team, you share it with, uh, Sacred Heart Hockey as well, so there's, there's limited dates we're trying to punch in. So, it's it's really challenging. Chris Casey on the staff does a lot of that with, obviously with me, um, but we're trying to we're trying to uh, punch in those dates now of some games that weren't returned to us because of COVID. So Holy Cross owes us a game, Loyola owes us a game, Wagner owes us a game. Uh, we have to return some games. We have to go back to William and Mary. So some of the schedule is kind of already set. And then we're we're still working on you know uh, other bigger games. Obviously, uh, those are those are fluid as we speak. All right. So two final questions to wrap it up. Um, the first one's pretty broad, but basically, what are your goals for next season as a whole? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the goal here since I've been here is to play in the NCAA tournament. So that's our broad goal. But uh, we we you know I know this is going to be a boring answer. I kind of look at it like like I came in today, and my goal is to, we're going to have great workouts today. Everybody's going to have a great day in the weight room, and we're just going to move the needle and get better. Um, and I know that's not like the sexy answer, but but we talk about it like it, it at this level, guys. You know, it's it's about can you get your team to play in the NCAA tournament? It's a one bid league; only one of eleven teams get to go, and that's what every team in the country, the mid major level, it's a one bid league is looking to do. So. Uh, you know, we were short this year. We came nine points short. We got to be better, and we got to find a way to to get back to that game, however it is, and uh, and win it and get to that NCAA tournament. So you guys can have. Uh, are you guys seniors next year? Yeah, we're yeah, seniors next year. year. Well, we got to send you guys out the right way. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. So, so our final question uh, isn't really much of a question, but uh, is there anything that you would like to say to Fairfield students or fans listening uh, in regards to the past season and even? Um, the upcoming season that hopefully sees fans in attendance. Yeah, just I, I appreciate, you know, certainly appreciate you guys. I love the fact that you're invested like you are in Fairfield basketball. And now you got to get a bunch of get more people to, mm. to, to get invested. And uh, it's going to be another challenging year for us because we're going to be away from campus playing in Bridgeport uh, and to hopefully get some people come out and cheer us on. And, and I know – how it's important to me, obviously, but I know how important it is to the guys when they look up in the stands and they get to see some of their uh, classmates in the stands uh, cheering them on. So I hope we can continue that, get some people out to Webster Bank next year, and just thank everybody for their support. Um, 
and thank everybody for for uh, you know for uh, for cheering us on. It was a really crazy year. It was uh, you know just a just a crazy year with everything going on, and I appreciate uh, appreciate everybody's support and and stay healthy. That's what I tell everybody else: stay healthy, get vaccinated, and stay healthy. Of course. All right, there you have it. Our second interview: Fairfield men's basketball head coach Jay Young. I just want to say thank you so much for coming on. We really enjoy uh, these conversations we have with you. Uh, we wish you the best of luck this summer into next year. We hope to to catch up with you again next next school year. Anytime, guys. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. And that's it. Red Sea Radio, episode 26. Catch us next Wednesday, uh, 12 p.m. That wraps up our basketball talk. But we'll still be here talking baseball and their historic season. So until then, everyone stay safe, like Coach said. And as always, go Stags.